Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is J-Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I started this show, A Gift from Adversity, after I published my book, A Gift from Adversity, Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness, which I experienced growing up. I felt really compelled to create a platform where people can safely and bravely share about their adversity and how they overcame using some of the tools and the gift that came from the adversity. This is my episode 11, oh sorry, 12 actually. So this has been such a journey for me to talk about adversity and having a guest that went through really hard time, but yet they were so brave and then courageous to tackle these adversities and then how they can share this story with our audience. So today I have a very special friend who had been amazing, who has been amazing in helping me still get through some difficult situations that I have to face. Um, and I can't really thank her enough and her organization enough for helping me and my children and then so many other people. And I'm so honored to have Laverne Gordon today. Thank you so much, Laverne, for coming in today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Julie. It's mm -hmm. a pleasure. So, Laverne, before we get to our topic, can you introduce yourself and then what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Laverne Gordon, and I run an organization called Love Life Now Foundation, which you see at the bottom of your screen. And uh, we promote year-round awareness around the issue of domestic violence. We try to keep the issue in the forefront as much as possible because we want folks to be in the know about the resources that are available to them um, at any given point. We don't want them to find out about resources when they get to a hospital or a police station. Um, oftentimes that is the case and it probably will continue to be the case, but at least, you know, a lot of the times people can, you know, now know that uh, there is help and that there is this, you know, this isn't an issue that you have to face alone. Yes. Um, and when did you start Love Life Now Foundation? Sure. So we've been in existence now this past November for 10 years. And uh, so that brings us back to 2010 um, when I first started sort of delving into the issue of domestic violence uh, as a pageant winner. I had won two back-to-back -back pageant titles at the time in 2010 and had to pick a platform um, to advocate for. And domestic violence was an easy choice given my history with the issue. And, um, you know, once I was done with with sort of navigating the world of pageantry, I realized I was not a pageant girl, but I really wanted to continue this work. And the following year, that's when I sought to form Love Life Now. So here we are, as I mentioned, almost 10 years later, um, just doing this work and really trying to educate folks about what the ins and outs of uh, healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships are, but also pointing people in the right direction for help. Um, and keeping people in the know about this issue um, from every angle uh, that we can think about. Thank you for sharing that. Now, how can people find out Love Life Now Foundation? 
Sure. So we are on the web, we're on social media. Um, and if anyone visits our website, uh, www.lovelifenow.org, again, lovelifenow.org, uh, you can find all our connections uh, there on our contact us page or at the bottom of any page of the website. Um, so uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, uh, uh, well, no, we do not have a snap yet. <laughs> But we are definitely everywhere um, that you can think about. And we're even on LinkedIn. And, and I kid you not, we have folks reaching out to us from every social channel seeking help. Um, so again, we don't take a cookie cutter uh, approach to awareness. We know that not every platform or everything reaches one person. So we try to break it up so that folks can understand what this issue is about from any angle on, on any given point in time. So just wanted to share my audience the example of how Love Life Now Foundation helped me and then helped some other women that I know of. So what happened was um, I was in the situation that I really needed some support and help that uh, unfortunately occurred to me. And Laverne and her team, they were there for the situation for me and then for my children right there, right then, now. That meant so much to me because I was in the middle of crisis and I just didn't know what to do. And that was my first experience of going court and all that stuff. And to be honest with you, to share something, some some vulnerable thing like that uh, with um, public or friends that's just so scary. But Love Life Now Foundation, is so resourceful and professional and Laverne is such a gift of knowledge in terms of other people. And yeah. because of that, um, I was approached by somebody from Texas where she was going through DV and um, because I published my book, some people reach out to me in the middle of a crisis. Then I really didn't know what to do. So I referred her to Laverne and I have another woman from Virginia who was going through domestic violence situation where I also didn't know what to do. I'm just an author. So I referred both women to Love Life Now Foundation and then they really found the resources and then rescue from it. However, they were not in our state, Massachusetts. So I really thank you for not only helping me, but these women yeah and so jury thank you for sharing that that means so much um because we really strive to be a resource for the resources right and it these things that you just mentioned these situations that you just mentioned again oftentimes like yourself when you were in crisis mode and you're not thinking about where the help could potentially be, or even understanding that there is help, right? Which is what I explained at the top is that we want folks to be in the know because I know what that feels like to be in that mode and not know that help is really there to help and not harm you. Um, and you know, when I escaped my abusive situation because I come to this issue as a survivor two times over, um, I know what that feels like. And so to be able to reach not just folks here in the state of Massachusetts, but 
really nationwide and wherever they are um, to, to let them know that that help is available and that, you know, you're not alone and that there are many, many people that go through this issue um, is something that I do not take for granted on any given day. It is a privilege really to do this work. Um, and so I'm really grateful to have been any small inclination of help um, to you at that time and to others as well. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, absolutely. So let's shift the question to adversity part of it. So would you mind to share with our audience what was your greatest adversity? Yes. So as I mentioned, um, I am a survivor myself uh, two times over. And so I, I don't think there was one. There were more than a few. Uh, but it started out being a child witness to the issue of domestic violence and not realizing that this watching what was happening with my mom um, at the hands of our father was going to affect me later down in life. And it certainly did because then I became a victim myself um, where somewhere along the lines, I began to accept what was happening to me as normal. And uh, I essentially stayed in the relationship for almost two years um, where there was a plethora of uh, domestic violence from uh, the verbal aspect, the physical aspect, and the emotional abuse. Um, people tend to often think that domestic violence is only the physicality, right, portion of it. Um, not realizing that mental mind games and verbal assaults, they all encompass abuse, even if that person has never touched you. Um, and I often say that, you know, those scars that you are left with the verbal put downs, the emotional tear downs, those scars stay with you longer than physical scars can probably last, right? They stick with you forever and they pop up, you know, in your later on life um, at any given point, which we refer to as triggers. And so, um, you know, at the end of that relationship, it was really hard to make the decision to choose me. Um, it's so funny because today is Valentine's Day, right? And, you know, in the past week or so, we've talked about self-love and what that looked like. Well, in this relationship, I did not love myself. I did not consider myself. I did not care about what happened to me. I just kept going back to who I could make this person into, how I could sort of find this person who had approached me in the very beginning of the relationship, wooed me and, and dined me and, and courted me. I wanted that person to return so much that I stuck, stuck it out um, at, at any given cost to, to sort of make them change back into the person that they were, not realizing that that would never happen. Um, and at the, at, at the very end of it, I, I had realized that I'd sacrificed myself to do that, not realizing again that this was not um, something that I was ever going to change with this person. The, the behaviors that they had displayed in the beginning of the relationship was something to just pull me in. And once I was in, it was because they showed their true colors um, and they were never going to put on a veil again. So it was really important for me to make a, a choice, a very hard choice in the end to choose me because I'd lost myself um, in this person. I had put everything that I, my identity, you know, the things I liked, everything was poured back into this person um, just to please them. And so it was just, it was, it was a really hard thing to do um, in saying that I wanted to seek help for me um, and that I didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. 
um, oftentimes victims in these relationships take about seven to 10 times to leave. And that's if they leave, right? Um, a lot of people lose their life. A lot of people come out very harmed physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and so I was no different. I, I thankfully was not the, the, the bruises and the inner bruises that he um, inflicted upon me after my last attack um, was something that could be treated with medicine and, and ice and rest. Um, but then the stalking began. And because he knew that he physically could not come at me anymore because I had called the cops. Um, and so that left me on edge for a really long time, looking over my shoulder, wondering when was he going to pop up? Um, when was he going to leave another nasty note on my car? Um, and that essentially really made me, forced me even, to file a restraining order. And uh, that was really hard in itself as well. I was 23 at the time. And if you can imagine a 23-year-old walking into a courtroom for the first time, not knowing what to expect and to face a judge and other people looking at you and having to share your story in front of others, it was hard. And then at the top of it all was having to face him, right? This person that you had feared for two years was standing right across the room. You're not knowing if he's going to now physically try to kill you because you're now speaking up. And that's the that's the one thing he never wanted was for you to tell his secret, um, you know, because it was his blame. It was his shame. But I was carrying it. And out of fear, I mean, at 23 years old, I just really wanted nothing to do with anything. Um, and I was really fearful. So, you know, but thankfully I left um, and thankfully he adhered to the restraining order. But again, a lot of people do not get that chance. So when I, when I hear people say, you know, you should just leave or she should just leave, you must understand the layers that are encompassed in that. It's not as easy to pick up and go. At the very core, there's fear. On top of that, there may be financial restraints that keeps that person from leaving. Next level might be children, right, that you have with this person um, and they are threatening the kids. They are threatening to kill them. They are threatening to take them from you. They are threatening to make you look like a bad mother so that you don't have custody of the kids. There are just many ramifications that come with leaving. So it's not always as black and white to, to just pick up and go. Um, and I always say that victims know they're the ones that know what's best for them in a, at any given moment. Um, we just often hope that they realize it before it's too late. Right. So um, it's really important to always empower survivors when they come to you and disclose what they're going through um, so that you they can know that they're supported, um, that there is help and that they're in the in the driver's seat making the decisions, not somebody else, um, you know, additionally making decisions for them. Like you should leave, come stay at my house, bring the kids, all of that. Like that is just, you know, not empowering somebody that is telling them you're trying to control me just the way that he does. So I might as well just go back. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, that was the adversity that I came from and I'm just thankful that I was able to, to leave with my life. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information and your story. And I've heard it, I interviewed you before and then, um, you know, got to know you. And I remember you saying to me when I was in the middle of crisis that I'm the I'm sitting on the driver's seat. And then that really empowered me because um, you weren't telling me what to do. You were empowering me, just like yes. you said, yeah. what will be the best for me. Mm -hmm. 
my children and mm-hmm. that I have the power to drive this. So yes. that I've never really heard of. And that's like so important as a survivor of these things. And mm-hmm. then um, people do not understand because like you said, the layer of abuse, um, not just physical part, but mm-hmm. brain part that yeah. you are so terrified and yep. what would happen and just um at the end of the day like you know maybe it wasn't that imagination and anxiety that you have created in your head that might have happened or maybe that would happen and then i have no idea how many people are going through this issue and not being addressed or not being rescued or getting given resources yes that's exactly exactly so i'm really appreciative of you sharing your personal story i know you do this every day through your life now foundation and you're absolutely an expert you are so professional about it but coming from your own story that makes a huge difference that you just started to help this uh, people, victims, yeah. you have experience when you are the victim and survivor. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I think that's why this work has continued, continued to be so incredibly important is because, um, you know, again, coming from those aspects, knowing what it's like to be a child witness and how helpless you feel and how you know, these, you know, what you've witnessed, the trauma that you've witnessed, how it carries on for you into adult life. Um, And, you know, not necessarily as a victim, but knowing that abusers come from those types of situations a lot of the times too. Um, I often relate to folks that, you know, domestic violence is a learned behavior 90% of the time. It isn't because you just got up one day and decided to beat your spouse. You have grown up knowing that this is the way to show love. This is the way to get respect. And you are absolutely thinking that somewhere along the lines that this is normal. It's embedded in you. It is, it is, is subconsciously sitting in the back of your mind. So, you know, having that understanding that abusers need help too, (laughs) um, that they are sick and letting victims and survivors know that it is one, first of all, nothing that you do can nothing that you personally can do can change them that they absolutely need professional help just like you to get up from under the behaviors that they've learned to 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 know um from over the years uh and that takes therapy and that takes choice right the same way that they chose to put their hands on you or verbally put you down is the same way that they themselves have to choose to want to get help There's no amount of tears that we can cry. There's no amount of I love you's that you can give, especially on this love day, right? The the, the day of love, right? The month of love. There's no amount of that that's going to change them. Um, And so once you get to that level of understanding, the game has changed. Um, It's a whole new ball game because then you realize, gosh, I need to take care of myself. I need to be responsible for my happiness. I need to be responsible for my self-care. I know that word is thrown around a lot these days, but it really counts for a lot, whether or not you're in a relationship. Um, Self-care and self-awareness are some of the, the two top things that once you're in a relationship that you begin to know, well, hey, Nobody can come at me and make me feel any differently about myself 
because I know who I am. Um, I know how to make myself happy. Oh, you're having a bad day. You want to pop off at the mouth? Fine, go ahead, do that. But I'm going to stay here and simmer and be, you know, uh, know to myself that I can't help you change your attitude, right? Um, and so, again, even if you come at me with that stuff, I know what I stand for. I know my boundaries. So if you're dating, right, again, month of love, this might be the day that you're going out today that you're going to have a nice dinner. But that dinner goes south. You're looking for the red flags because you already educated on this issue. You're knowing and seeing to yourself that if this person, you know, flips out and doesn't know how to control their emotions, you're saying to yourself, okay, so how then are they going to control it with me? Um, if you're seeing that they're vi you're visiting them with the, his, with, you know, to see their family and visit their mother and they're treating their mother a certain type of way, well, how is he going to treat me? Right. So you're questioning all these things when you're dating to see who because that's what dating is. You're you're sort of delegating what's good, what's bad, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, because you're already in the know about what those things are. So, again, self-awareness, boundaries, self-care, all of these things are so important. And it's very important to continue them even when you're in a relationship, because as the time goes along, Yes, you're dating and you're so excited and you decided that you're going to, you know, be with this person, but never lose sight of self. You came into the relationship as an individual. You're still going to be part individual, even though we, people say when you're married, you become one. Yes, but you're still an individual with individual wants and needs. So just being always cognizant of that and never losing, losing sight of what brings you joy, what you love or the things you like to do. Um, are, are only going to be, uh, you know, great factors for you as you go along in life, um, whether, again, you're single or not. So I had uh, my guest, uh, Sophia Eric from Germany. She yep. just commented, so important to hear, knowledge is power. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you. Big time. All the way from Germany. I appreciate you. And, um, you know, again, as an it, it, it counts for so much. A lot of the times we think we're supposed to know what relationships are, but oftentimes we're not taught, you know, your parents might not have had, like I said, a, a very healthy relationship. So you're, you're only going with what you know, and what you know is what you're going to take into college. You know, uh, what you know is what you're going to take into your, your, your teenage relationship. Right. You're going to you're going to you're going to um, exhibit all the behaviors that, you know, and what you know is what you see from your parents. And if that's nothing good, you're, you're not going to be you'd be able to really bring anything good um, into your future relationships. So, um, again, learning self-awareness is really important. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Um, you know, uh, what, 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 what do I stand for? What's good? What's good enough for me? What's what's too much for me? Um, always knowing and listening to your gut, all of these things we need to always pay attention to. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. So Lovern, um, I just wanted to add one more thing, which is self-advocacy, which mm -hmm. is hard, especially coming from Japan. There yeah. was not a platform, but I just wanted to share something with you. So after my divorce and crisis that happened, my daughter, she's five and then her guidance counselor at school is teaching her five years old self-advocacy important so important and i've never learned that till later 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 in my life like recent <laughs> and then i never had these resources a month of mental health talking and normalization of mental health 
and how to advocate for yourself. My yes. daughter got struck in the class, unfortunately, like three times. But when she came home, she's five years old. She told me where it happened, um, who it was, and what time it was, and how it happened. And I was so impressed, and I was able Good. to document everything. Good. We had teacher and then school resources that they addressed it right away because they had a camera all over the school. So they were able to go back to the time that she was struck and then identify who confirmed and he had consequences. Good, good, good. Even five-year-old can do that. Yes. So impressed because of education and then um i really appreciate the guidance counselor so yes. i just want to let people know that there are help and resources out there mm -hmm. and self-advocacy as it relates to um being taught right so she's being taught that this is a normal thing um again same thing with uh you know self-awareness if your parents aren't teaching you to be an individual from very early on you're not going to know what that's like in a relationship, all you're going to know is to be put, being pouring back into someone else. So again, being your own best self-advocate, um, knowing what's best for you, um, sort of always articulating what's happening to you, um, you know, what you will stand for, what you won't stand for. All of these things are tied in um, and it all goes back to self, right? Um, and self, you know, being being cognizant of self is not selfish. It is something that's going to help you uh, way down the line, again, whether you're in a relationship or not. So good for her and kudos to the teacher. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Lovan, what was the tools that you have used overcoming the adversity personally that was very tangible that you thought it was really a rescue or significant help for your situation? Yeah. And so, um, as I mentioned, when I got to the ER after my last attack, I, you know, help was presented to me, but I wanted no part of it. I did end up filing a restraining order and he did stay away with that. But then I was left with myself. And at the time I had lost self. And um, for me, part of, you know, sort of regaining my identity as, a, as an individual was going to church. Um, before I had met this person, church was really important to me. I had grown up in the church. Um, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but, you know, I just always loved praise and worship. Um, the music and the sermon um, and the positive message that it always sent. So that was that was important. And then by going to church, I got reintegrated into that community, right? The ch church community. Um, and then because of that, I was reintegrating with friends, some friends there. And then from there, it was because I was reintegrating with more friends because I'd become so isolated in this relationship that I had really cut off a lot of people and, you know, he had cut off a lot of people. Um, and so it was just me and him. I was only hearing from him every day, day in and day out. So, um, you know, reintegration was really important after the self, after the isolation. And then um, I, I sought therapy, uh, not for very long, it was probably less than a year. Um, but in that year, I really got to understand that I had been carrying his secret. Um, and it was not mine to carry. It, I was carrying, because even though I reintegrated with, with folks, I still didn't delve into what had happened to me. I still didn't tell people the extent of what had gone on. 
And so um, therapy really helped me um, at the time uh, to fully integrate myself back into my community and the things that I loved and to not feel ashamed um, for the most part about what had happened to me. Still not really fessing up about what had gone on, but really not feeling sort of a load of guilt that this had, this had happened to me because I knew I wasn't at fault. I knew I didn't do this to myself. Um, so those, I think those were the two things that really helped me and journaling, journaling at the time I, I was heavy on journaling. So writing down, you know, all the things that I felt because I could, I, I, I didn't want to see him anymore. I had a restraining order against him. So putting pen to paper about all the things that had gone on crying as I wrote, I mean, so many tears during that time. Um, I cried a lot and just let it out. So journaling, crying, um, you know, uh, church community and therapy. Um, those were the, 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 the top things I think. And there were other things, but I think those were the, those were the top, top things that helped me sort of move um, through the process of, of getting back to Laverne uh, because Laverne was lost. She was so heavily lost when I just left. So yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing. The reason why I asked this question is because so many people suffer through adversity, but everybody try to do something to survive through it. Mm -hmm. But to hear and learn from actual survivor is really different and then have so much weight than reading online or reading yeah. online therapy saying it to you because yeah. that that really helped you and that's yeah. this question but thank and you. i and i think to add to that you know you're right reading what someone else has put out um should work for you is not necessarily going to work for you and even then what what worked for me may not work for another person right but i think once you pay attention to the person that you were before the adversity um, and get back to those things that brought you joy. Again, it was church for me. I, I knew, I knew church would do that for me. Right. So I went back there and I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. I knew that, you know, writing was going to help because that was something that I did a lot before. So all of the things that I was taken away from, um, really helped me reintegrate. And then friends, my social circle before him, I was a social butterfly. Um, and, you know, lost that along the way, uh, realizing that none of those things were bad. He was the one that was saying that they were. Um, so whatever, again, your heart tells you or leads you to that you think is going to make you feel good, whether, you know, some people like to go to the club. Hey, maybe you want to go to the club when you're, you know, out of this relationship because, you know, you want to get back into hearing music and being with friends, all of that, right? Um, whatever works for you, get get to the business of that get to the heart of what brings you joy um and you you won't you won't steer yourself wrong great so the last part of a question is a gift that came from the adversity so how can you tell audience what's the gift that came from the adversity my gosh i have so many big presents from my adversity it's unreal um first obviously was uh, finally sharing my story um, through the pageant uh, that I had taken part in um, when I was asked really for the first time, why domestic violence? I thought that I was going to go into this 
pageant and, you know, wear gowns and, you know, you know, ask some questions on stage and that was it. And being asked in the judges portion of this pageant, why domestic violence? Um, it was the first time that I really was able to open up um, and not in shame, right? I thought I had dealt with the shame, but having now people ask me, strangers ask me that question, uh, I, I shared it tearfully and thought that I would never win the first leg of the pageant because of it, because I was tearful and I was crying and not, and not to realize when I looked up, two of the judges were crying too and came over at the end of my, my, my question and answer portion and said, me too. So I said, oh my God, if they as professional women that I look up to are crying and saying me too, who else? Right. And this is 2010. So I was just like, all right, from here onwards, I'm just going to keep sharing because who else needs to hear that they're not alone and they're not the only ones that went through this. And so that was the big gift uh, was was finally being able to share my story proudly um, and again, not realize that it wasn't my fault. The second gift was forming Love Life Now Foundation um, and really giving uh, uh, an avenue for folks to to again open up um, no matter where they were. Um, and then the third gift uh, was my book, uh, The Legacy He Left Me, um, that I just wrote last year. And um, being able to confront a lot of the issues of the abuse that I thought, again, that I had dealt with, but really hadn't. Um, and so being able to put everything in one place about all the things that had gone on for me as a child witness and as an adult survivor, and then being able to show people that there is life after abuse, not 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 just to, to survive, but to thrive, and that that can happen, and what life looks like after. And again, that to me has been the third uh, gift, and then my fourth has been therapy. I am I'm back in therapy. The book put me back in therapy because there were so many things that um, came up for me during that the writing process um, that I thought I had dealt with and, and really needed to address head on. So I started therapy um, in January once I was, you know, just sort of wrapping up writing the book and I'm still in therapy and I, you know, see my therapist every Wednesday and it's not because anything is necessarily plaguing me, but it's a third party that I can bounce anything off of at any given point uh, and they're non-judgmental. Um, and I see them by a telehealth like you and I are sitting here. Um, so I'm a huge proponent now for mental health and how much that means. Um, when we're sick physically, we go to a doctor. When we are not so well spiritually, we go to the church. Um, you know, so when here's not well, when, when there are things plaguing you up here, and even if there's nothing plaguing you, but you just want to get stuff out, you should see a therapist, right? Because it starts from here. If we're not good up here, the rest of us are not, it's not going to function um, in its tip top shape. So um, I just, I really, that's that, that I should say is my last gift so far, because I know there's more to come um, after God. So I, I'm just so grateful, um, obviously not for the things that I went through, um, but that it's brought me to this point. Uh, and every day I, I, I do not take it for granted. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing that. And then all the guests. So the legacy he left me. Yes, it's everywhere. <laughs> if you Google, if you go to Amazon, it's um, doing great. 
and um, I've seen the promotion, I've seen um, talk about it, and congratulations um, for publishing your book. Thank and, you. Yes, absolutely, and advocating for yourself and yes. for other, helping other people. Yeah. Being eloquent in domestic violence issues where people shy away from. Yes. And people are scared from. I like adore you and I'm so grateful that we have met and you have yes. no idea how much you have helped me empower uh, me and they remind me who I am. Yes. Big time. Big time. You are a superhero with an invisible cape jury. <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> thank you so much. You mean so much to me, and thank you so much for being part of a gift from adversity show. This has been my manifestation and dream and goal after I published my book, and then I wanted to have you as my guest, and then so this was absolutely amazing day for me. Thank you so much, Lavar. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Jury. Absolutely. So have a wonderful day. And thank you everyone for listening to A Gift from Diversity, tuning in and have a wonderful, happy Valentine's Day. Goodbye, everyone.